You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums. You must hear before you die. talking about Bob Marley and the Whalers, Exodus. On the line I have Rob. I wish we were listening to Peter Tosh. Ben. Hello. And John. Hi there. Exodus is the ninth studio album by the Jamaican reggae band Bob Marley and the Whalers. First release on June 1977 through Island Records. The producer was Bob Marley and the Whalers. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Mark Deming. After the success of 1974's Natty Dread and the 1976 Rastaman Vibration, Bob Marley was not only the most successful reggae musician in the world, he was one of the most powerful men in Jamaica. Powerful enough, in fact, he was shot by gunmen who broke into his home in December of 1976, days before he was to play a massive free concert intended to ease tensions, uh, days before a contentious election for Jamaican prime minister. In the wake of the assassination attempt, Marley and his band left Jamaica and settled in London for two years, where he recorded the 1977 Exodus. Thematically, Exodus represented subtle but significant shift for Marley. While he continued to speak out against political corruption and for freedom and equality for third world people, his lyrics dealt less with specifics and more with generalizations and the need for peace and love. And while songs like Exodus and One Love, People Get Ready were anthemic, they also had less to say than the more poignant material from Marley's earlier albums. However, if Marley had become more wary in his point of view, his skill as a songwriter was strong as ever, and Exodus boasted more than a few classic tunes. His gifts as a vocalist were near their peak on these sessions, bringing a broad range of emotional color to his performances And this lineup of the Whalers are superb, effortless in the pocket throughout. Exodus was recorded at a time when Bob Marley was learning about the unexpected costs of international stardom, but it hadn't yet snapped his creative strengths. And this is one of the finest albums in his stellar catalog. All right, what do we think of Bob Marley and the Whalers' Exodus? You said gunmen, but it was like like government spooks, right? (laughs) Uh, yeah, can, the man. I mean, that's the, that's the background theory. Yeah. We can was... go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, people <laughs> believe it's CIA. People believe that it's, uh, they, they, what is it? Means motive and opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think it was that, politically that motivated. Point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the yeah. was definitely politically motivated. The question was, were the gunmen paid off by the CIA in firearms and cocaine? Oh, our government. 
Yeah. Yeah. Some people say it was our CIA. Okay. Oh, see, when you say when you say spook that way, like I think you're talking like a G-man, like a CIA. Well, I, I, I well, I arm, you know. <laughs> I, I, I would. Well, I know that the, the, you know, as Peter Tosh has told us, the government in Jamaica, had, like when I was saying spook, I, I know, you know that. I guess it could be an implied CIA, but I was under the impression, and uh, admittedly, I, I didn't read as much into this as I, I should have, but I thought it was conflicts with uh, with regional government. Yes, it was. Yeah, the it, it was widely thought or never proven that it was the op- opponent of uh, who they had been perceived as the uh, Marley was favoring one over the other, and so they had hired these men to to do this to assassinate Bob Marley. However, it it just couldn't. They couldn't put the pieces together. They couldn't, you know, uh, solidify that he was that they had been paid off. You know, it's hard to uh, definitely hard to put together a case when uh, the people investigating are exactly. also the people that uh, that put out the hit. Yeah. yeah. Right, and the and the supposed uh, persons who committed it were apparently, again, supposedly tried and uh, sentenced in the streets. Yeah, <laughs> also true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it was, you, it, Bob Marley, he was he was shot twice. He was he was uh, grazed across the chest, and he took a, a bullet in the arm. Uh, and Rita was shot too. Rita Marley in the head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like this was a whole crew that came up on the on the compound. She survived. Yeah, no. Every, everybody who was shot survived. It was just—it's pretty intense. I mean, that's that's a thing that will make you leave a country. Stormtroopers? How, how does? I feel like we jumped to the middle of the conversation before even yeah. talking about that album. What do you think sorry, about the album? Sorry. Well, that's that's a let's segue back. I okay. mean, the album is kind of divided into two thematic sides, right? Yeah. The first side is kind of political, religio-political statements about liberation and fighting against oppression and determining, you know, how to fight against the forces of oppression. And then the second half is like, well, let's, let's make love, you know, but it is this, you know, there is a, 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 a sense and there always has kind of been a sense to Bob Marley's music about like, okay, what, what kind of um, liberation theology kind of stuff can we put to a tune? And that's, and that's across the first side. I I don't think it's divided in half between uh, like getting getting down on one side and you know being political on the other though I mean it, lyrically maybe but honestly I just think that there's three shitty songs and then the rest of the album's fucking great <laughs> like it, it goes in that order three shitty songs then the heathen and then it's just fucking awesome from there on in um, I. I, and maybe it's the mini Moog on the heathen that, that, that caught me, but like, yeah, I've lit, this is the fourth or fifth time that it's in my ears and I'm still not into the fucking first three songs. I thought maybe it was my like aversion to Bob Marley as like, or uh, as reggae is a, a thing, but like that Peter Tosh record we did, I fucking love the whole goddamn thing. I think it's just something about where the way Bob Marley puts it down that kind of like rubs me raw. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I yeah. almost agree with you, Rob, but uh, I don't have... I actually kind of like the first song, uh, Natural Mystic. I think mm-hmm. that it has a groove that feels pretty familiar, or pretty, pretty similar to Side 2, but I don't need uh, so much things to say or or guiltiness. I think mm-hmm. the album picks back up again 
ride around with a heathen, like you were saying. Also, I think that every town I've ever lived in has had a head shop called Natural Mystic. <laughs> yep. The one on Bartstown Road. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but I was I was surprised by the heathen. That was kind of like a, a surprising little gem to me. Like it's got some sick guitar from Junior Marvin on it. Not to be confused with Junior Mervin. Right. <laughs> Different juniors. <laughs> Thurman Merman. <laughs> yeah. So there are two guitarists at the same time in the reggae scene. One was Marvin, one was Mervin. Is that correct? Well, Mer- I'm I'm assuming Junior Mervin played guitar. He was at least a band leader and singer, but he did that track, uh, Police and Thieves, that the Clash cover. Yeah. I think Junior Martin was just wearing a mustache and going by the name <laughs> Junior Mervin. He wanted to get paid twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, I am Mr. <laughs> Are you Junior Mervin? No, I am Junior Marvin. And I've come to audition for the guitar player. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, while we're on that topic, so this is Bob Marley and the band he calls the Whalers. This, yeah, this is the Whalers, Whalers 3.0 or whatever yeah. at this point. You've got no Bunny Livingston. Uh, you you've got no Peter Tosh. He still puts together a good band. You and you've still got the i th- uh, the i threes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I thought it, I thought the band was was solid. It wasn't overly. What, what do you want to say? They don't overplay on the album. It's perfectly simplistic in the way that they're doing things. Um, that doesn't overshadow, none of them overshadow each other. And I feel like Bob Marley could absolutely, I mean, he's very charismatic. I feel like he could overshadow one or another of the players, but it feels like everything's pretty smooth. It feels right, right in the pocket there. It's a very laid back record. I was going to ask, is this, you know, it's hard to think of a more laid back, loose feeling record than this. This is a very... Uh, maybe that Peter Legalize Tosh. It? Yeah, I was going to say, maybe that Peter Tosh. Life at 80 beats per minute. Yeah. <laughs> but this one has, this one's good. It feels feels right there. If I had to say anything, the drums were slightly high in the mix for me. Uh, mm. it, it, yeah, to take that up with Family Man. It's, yeah, at some point. Well, I could pick it up with the recording studio in London. Also true. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought this was a nice, mellowed, out Marley. Um, I did feel like some of the earlier stuff he was doing is a little hot. It was a little more, I don't know, not James Brown esque, but a little, No, but you're right. Marley has, has toned down his vocal styling. Yeah. Yeah. This album took me, it took me multiple listens. It was a bit of a creeper for me. I didn't think, I didn't think that much of it upon first listen other than, okay, that's like a handful of Bob Marley songs I know. You know, like, it's like, there, there's like three or four songs on here that will will show up on his greatest hits. And I guess I reckon that's a good enough reason to be in the book. But like, that that was where I felt after the first listen. But it, it just started kind of creeping in on me, especially the second half of side one leading into all of side two. He's, yep. I think he's, he, he is evolving the, the 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 reggae sound from what we've heard him do before he's kind of flattening out uh, flattening it out a little bit and going more into just like rhythm like circular rhythms and grooves 
that almost like it doesn't sound like a Fela Kuti album, but it's almost like a similar treatment of it, it, it. The band is just laying down this like almost like hypnotic, though maybe flat rhythm groove. The delivery and the melody, it just kind of sits on on top of that. And then not only that, but he is pulling in, especially on songs like uh, Turn Your Lights Down Low, uh, which I would, if it wasn't on a Bob Marley album, if he wasn't singing it in a, like a Patois accent, it's barely even a reggae song. It's like British soul. You know, it, like he's, he's pulling from that, that London R and B scene on this. So like he, like in my opinion, and you know, I'm, I'm not a huge, uh, uh, Bob Marley disciple, but it just seems like, like, so he's evolving. He's moving. He moves to London. He's pulling from the soul scene. He's pulling from groups like, uh, uh, like Fela and the Africa 70 groups, like, uh, uh, parliament, just getting these more just like groove rhythm based tracks and just kind of letting them breathe. And that is interesting. That's like, a, that's a side of Marley that I hadn't heard up to this point. So for that, f the, for that fact alone, I think it's interesting in like the history of music and then throw in like the, the, the four or five greatest hits that also appear on this album and like, okay, now I get it, you know? said probably four or five listens i mean uh, my issue is listen number one i was hooked by heathen but i was upset at the first three tracks and it's been that way five times now i i just think that like those first three tracks are are kind of a, a shame because the rest of the record is so much better it's so strange um, i don't feel like they're so out of place i don't feel like they're I mean, it I, might be the, it might be the synthesizers, man. It, okay. it, it might it, it might just be the way the fucking Moog sounds on it. Like it 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 okay. just it, it irritates me. I mean, I don't like the. I, I think Ben had a good point. I'm not as yeah. I'm not a huge fan of so so much so much things to say in guiltness. I I, I or turn your lights down low. I mean, there's just a few songs I'm not like uh, as excited about but i don't feel like they're out of place i don't feel like it's such a turn of between the good songs and the songs i'm just not that excited about i think it's it co coming out of the gate with not the best foot forward okay it it, it and it, it's not even an issue it's like i it's just it's uh those to me those first three songs are not of the caliber of, of, of the other ones. 
And if had the, had the tracking been like split up a little bit to where those were like every other song, like start start with start with the heathen, then you know go into natural mystic, go into Exodus, then go into whatever. What if it opened with Exodus. Would you would you dig that, Rob? Yeah, probably, man. I think Exodus is a great song. Um, but I feel I feel like you need a build up for Exodus, and I, I agree with you, Rob, that like stacking those three on the front end, it it feels like it's stuck in the mud before you can get to the good stuff. Yeah. And, and I mean, if he was trying to have like it split directly down the middle with like the tonality of the, uh, the, the themes, like, I mean, I get it, but it's just, it's, it seems like he got like, if, if it was a chronological, like writing scenario, he got better <laughs> and continued <laughs> to get better past those first three songs. I, I'm going to stop harping on those things, but the, the, I had bitched about Bob Marley the last time that we did one of his records because I had associations with it and just like idiots I knew in high school that I wasn't like, it, it, it just never, it never hit me right. Was that Natty um, Dread, Rob? I, it might've been. Yeah. Um, yeah but this one hits me, hits me fucking great. I mean, like how many tracks are on this? 10, 10. Mm-hmm. And I love, Seven of them. I mean, that's that's a good fucking record. Um, Yeah, yeah. I thought it was was very good. Um, I don't know if I agreed with the 1999 Time Magazine naming Exodus the best album of the 20th century. Why really? What? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Who? What publication? Time Magazine. That was pre Y2K though. Yeah. Uh, I think it's an important record. Who got in there? <laughs> and, uh, well, off the top of my head, I, I, I can name more important I, reggae albums <laughs> of the whole century. Yeah, I thought that was a strange choice too. Uh, yeah, but I, I just wanted to bring it up because it is widely considered, I mean, you know, one of the best reggae albums. So I guess I guess if you're like, oh, okay, let's strip it down. And let's only take the gold stars out of it, right? Like, okay, so the gold stars are, it's a reggae album that's blending in northern soul and some rock elements that you hadn't heard in reggae before, right? So that's a gold star. And then you've got, okay, Exodus, which is just like an anthem, as is One Love. You know, it's like the whole tourism uh, mantra for Jamaica, <laughs> you know? Uh, so you got another gold star there, but is it enough to make it, the best album of the 20th century. Like don't forget uh, three little birds. Oh yeah. Which, yeah. Which absolutely. I learned this week is the title of that song. Yeah. It's yeah, nobody, not nobody actually the real title. every little thing's going to be all right, guys. No. It's called three little birds. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it down as three little burbs. <laughs> um, no, that, that this isn't, this isn't even the, yeah. Uh, like Ben said, this isn't even like the best reggae album. <laughs> like what? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a name. I want a name. Time Magazine. <laughs> oh, t- t- Time Magazine yeah. is not a person. Okay. Who, who no, that's his name. Time Magazine. Yeah. Or, or was it? Did Time, did Time Magazine put out a survey, or was this like the brain trust of Time, like nope. coming in, being like, yeah. the article was by Mob Barley. <laughs> <laughs> Mobert, Mobert Barley. <laughs> wow, that's ridiculous. Yeah, pretty pretty amazing. Uh, I did want to say that this album, I think, 
uh, I wanted to read that right up because this album does represent something. John was mentioning it a bit earlier. It represents that looser, that more laid back Bob Marley, which I think a lot of people associate more with Bob Marley than the revolutionary. It's it's uh, the Rastafarian mystic instead of the revolutionary son, uh, which I thought was it, it's. It's so strange to see that sort of represented in college posters and uh, head shops and things like that, where it's Bob Marley, the the weed guy, the sort of the uh, iconography of the Jerry Garcia person or something like that, instead of representing um, what what his original intent was, was to build people up from a third world countries. Uh, He sent a lot of money to third world countries and sort of was about preaching revolution, obviously still within, uh, you know, one love, but I, there was an assassination attempt on him based on his political viewpoints. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The head head shops don't touch on that. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it does. There is something within our culture that has sort of codified his, his icon into more of a, a celebrity instead of being a political figure. I just wanted to mention. Right. Yeah. They take the lighter from catch a fire and be like, Oh, that's to blaze uh, a blunt with. No, that's to set a dude on fire. <laughs> 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 you know? That's to burn up the heathens. <laughs> so. well, it's a, it, yeah. I mean, it's an understandable misconception since the cover of catch a fire, depending on your issue is either a, a, a Zippo or it's a picture of him actively lighting a joint. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fair enough. Good. I mean, easy, easy mistake, but no, Birch is right. Yeah. This is the shift. I think you're right. This is what, what leads to all the college tapestries for sure. Yeah. You know, you got, you start side two with jamming, right? Like that's like, <laughs> if Exodus on side one is the anthem for, you know, rebellion and finding a place for jazz people, you know, then jamming is the side that's like, Oh, well, we made it. Time to blaze up. <laughs> so. Oh, I was going to say, did anybody else notice that little glass tap? Like the... Yeah. Yeah. I had never <laughs> noticed that until uh, until I listened to it this week. It just is like mm-hmm. right in your ear. And it's interesting because you can listen to it and you can hear it be a little uneven. It's not quite perfect. So someone at, is actively doing it. They didn't just loop it. But I thought it was so interesting that it it's this subtle thing that I can't unhear it now. It's it's, it's pretty cool, cool though. A, like a bank yeah. beer bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it's right in your uh, left channel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong, John. Uh, I'm a, I'm assuming that you are our expert in patois. Uh, uh, so j- <laughs> jamming is, is patois, but not necessarily for playing music together, but like getting together and celebrating. Yeah, that, that is the generally accepted usage. And I'm not great at patois. I just had a um, a big dance hall sort of phase when I was about 13. And I listened to a lot of Snow, uh, the Toronto uh, artist. So I, I tried to do my best to decipher from there. So uh, in, in no way am I a patois linguist, but I, I try my best. I never before this week noticed uh, the, the line in jamming, no bullet can stop us now. Which is pretty yeah. pretty topical. <laughs> I mean, Re- means uh, to celebrate <laughs> between between you and between you and your your wife. Uh, you've survived uh, three gunshots on in one day. Mm-hmm. 
Anybody else uh, on uh, Waiting in Vain, the opening line, is that not the exact same thing as Madness uh, Ghost Town? Sounds very similar. Like, I think it's yeah. the same chord. <laughs> good, good starting point. Um, Does anyone else know this song from the 90s Annie Lennox cover? No. <laughs> Tell me more. That That's all I got. I think it was, I think it was 95 and it was a, it was a minor hit for Annie Lennox. Yeah. And then, uh, turn your lights down low was covered in like 99 by Lauren Hill. And then, uh, like 2008 by Jim James or something, man, turn your lights down low. The first three times I listened to this album, it, 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 it went under my radar, but the last few times I've listened, especially like earlier today, that album started to creep, or that song has been a bit of a creeper for me. I actually, I, I like that song. There's some, there's some flavor on it. Because I didn't like it at first, so you're saying I got to listen to more. It's the the rule of a uh, yes. Okay. Three listens. <laughs> okay. Listen, listen to it again, Birch, or or maybe if you want to like take a different taste of it, try the Lauren Hill cover because that'll give you a lot of that more almost like Amy Winehouse, Northern Soul okay. style. More yeah, of that, that Sister that Act two back in the habit mostly. style that I know you've been you, you've been craving, Birch. Yeah. I, if you want, if you want to say the Lauren Hill era, by the way, it's been a long, long time. I get this message for you, girl. Was it only the Jamaican cruises that used the uh, One Love song? I, I started looking up the commercials, but then I got distracted. But I, 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 I could have swore I had heard it on like credit card commercials. Oh, and fucking yeah. like AT&T, like phone card commercials back in the 90s. Like, oh, yeah. I think it was just sold to everything. Yeah, I think the, the Marley family, when they acquired the mechanicals back, like... They, they blasted it on a bunch of stuff. I mean, it, I think it is the official, like, song of the Jamaican Tourism Authority. Nah. What year did Legend come out? Does anyone know off the top of their head? or Legend, like, the Ridley Scott no, film? No, no <laughs> Legend, the album of all times, which is Bob Marley's greatest hits. Oh, sorry, I got it right here. It's 84. Is that the same year as Legend, the Ridley Scott film? <laughs> with, no, uh, I, I, that I can't tell you. Soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. I and think Tim that I think that you can trace back all dorm room posters and tapestries toward. To, you can trace them all back to the the release of Legend. Yeah, okay. it, 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 yeah. Com, it had it had all of these light and breezy songs off these albums. Does it have Iron Like a Lion from Zion on it? I yes. couldn't tell you. But John <laughs> I'm can. Al- I'm almost certain it does. Okay. Yeah. It's the quintessence of, I mean, it's, it's his greatest hits. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I like oh, this oh, record, yeah, by yeah. the by. Yeah. What do, what do we all think? What do you think of this? Go ahead, Rob. 
I went A minus just because the first three not our, songs. Not, not our uh, score. Not our <laughs> star, I do what I want. It, 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 it's a positive, but okay, I, 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 I still I would just find like this. to make a note that Rob's giving a Bob Marley record an A minus. I think that that's worth noting. Ooh, okay, okay. Pretty cool. I, I just find I, I find yeah. the first three songs to be trying, but I find everything else on the record to be great. So cool. Positive. Uh, if I had to give it a letter grade. I, I'd probably give it a B. Uh, but, you, but you shouldn't because we don't do letter grades here. Tonight it's we on are. A curve, I'm just, uh, I am going to this album. This album falls on the side of positive for me. Uh, it's there's. I like reggae albums that we've covered more than this album. Uh, I like Bob Marley albums that we've covered more than this album. I, I prefer uh, I, I prefer Catch a Fire to to Exodus. I prefer the Burning Spear uh, album that we did to Exodus. Maybe even the Peter Tosh one. Yeah, yeah. That being said, I absolutely get now. Like this album crept up on me, and I get why it's in the book. And though this isn't a perfect album for me and maybe not a perfect album in general, I think it's undenying that, that, that this is a good album and has enough historical significance to, to merit its place in the book. I don't know how many times I'm going to come back and revisit it, but I'm going to give it a positive. It's got uh, plenty of hits that people are familiar with. Uh, he is, he is expanding on the genre. He's kind of pushing the boundaries of the genre, genre of reggae a little bit. And, uh, and, he, and it's got something to say. Uh, you know, he, he's coming with a, a, a viewpoint. So, yeah, that's enough for me to give it a positive. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to give it a, a perfect five out of seven. Um, <laughs> with it's, So, I mean, for me, that, that, that'd be a positive sliding to a neutral. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a perfect album, but it's got so much to it. I mean, that Ben and Rob have already discussed and explained. And um, – I was really surprised by the heathen. That was that was a, a track I hadn't heard before, and I really liked. Uh, yeah, like I put a solid star next to it. Like I know that it's not what I put uh, my note. I know it's not sick doom bass. It must it's that be some mini sort mode, of man. It's, it's that mini moog. It sound. It's so fucking good. It's a, yeah. such a good use of that instrument. Yeah, listen to that track. Listen to this album. Pick it up if you don't already have Legend, uh, <laughs> or pick it up if you do have Legend. I mean, it's it's an interesting album to listen to start to finish, especially uh, considering the time at which it was created and uh, where it took reggae. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a positive. I'm going to explain the w- reason that I did po- I'm doing positive, neutral, and negative real quick, because I, <laughs> I don't think I've ever explained this. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a little little bit of time. So the reason I do this is because I really want you to think about it's so hard. It's so easy to say, oh, out of 10 and just like sit in the middle and be like, oh, how about a seven or something like that? The, the reason I want to do negative, neutral and positive is I really want someone to like think about committing commitment to being like a positive if you're if you're not, then just stay neutral or whatever. I understand sometimes it's like, well, it's kind of a neutral plus because I'm like, it, I can't just sit in the middle. But that is the reason that like I have I have tried to solidify that to be a thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs in the middle because it, it thumbs will, akimbo. It will make you 
really, really decide because you you can absolutely all those score things that are like, oh, it's a B. Well, is it good? I I mean, <laughs> it kind of, but you're you're sitting right in the middle. You're sitting on the fence of something instead of just being like, I I have this. So Birch, I have no idea that. why I wrote A minus about I this. I've never done that before. It's fine. Because uh, Rob just couldn't commit to a positive. He just couldn't say no, it flat I, out. I, I, I can, and yeah, I did. Yeah, see, that's the uh, thing. There it's it is. Like, yeah. See, he, he is committing. So, uh, this, our discussion just now kind of brought me back to uh, when I was going to college, and there's this guy who, um, was friends with my brother. I think I can't remember if I just, yeah, I was like a freshman and he's friends with my brother and he would ride around and he had an awesome speaker system in his car and he would blast like dance hall and reggae. It was pretty cool. I mean, I I know that's a white guy blasting reggae in the middle of Indiana (laughs) on a Friday (laughs) night, which that's a cool dude. Sounds so (laughs) stupid, but uh, reggae, re- reggae and dance hall really, you know, lends itself to being played loud, but at the same time having a soothing feeling. So it's, it's actually, uh, I don't know why I just, that just popped in my head for some reason, but I was like, this is interesting. Cause I, you know, all through high school, I'd been blasting metal. I've been doing Slayer and Pantera and every, you know, like Metallica, all that stuff. And to have someone like blast out this sort of uh soothing melodic uh music was was cool all right man that's that's hilarious just because the side tangent it just occurred to me that like this entire podcast is more or less just indiana (laughs) like (laughs) talking like the the heart of the midwest talking (laughs) talking shit or talking shop on (laughs) on all of these records and i i I don't think that there's a a better place for it to come from (laughs) we are the most unassuming of folk and i love it i fucking love it i love it sorry Uh, cut that out if need be but that's hilarious to me i mean we have no credentials and we don't (laughs) none at all 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 right next time we'll be talking about electric light orchestra out of the blue all right This morning